Welcome to the VHA Innovation Ecosystem, a podcast from the VHA Innovators Network and the Diffusion of Excellence that focuses on all of the great innovative work driven by VA employees to improve veteran care. Today's episode focuses on the VHA Innovation Ecosystem's involvement in hackathons. Hackathons bring together industry experts, veterans, caregivers, students from various academic institutions, and the public, and gives them the opportunity to collaborate with each other. These hackathons foster the development of veteran-centered healthcare innovations. In this episode, Dr. Ann Bailey, an innovation specialist at the Charles George VA Medical Center in Asheville, North Carolina, speaks with two students, VHA employees, and a veteran about their experiences with hackathons. First, Ann speaks with Susie Shirley, the entrepreneur in residence for the VHA Innovation Ecosystem. Susie, thanks so much for joining on this part of the podcast. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your role as an entrepreneur in residence for the VHA Innovation Ecosystem? Sure. Thanks, Anne. Really happy to be here. For the last uh, few months during the year of 2019, I've been the Entrepreneur in Residence Fellow for the VHA Innovation Ecosystem. And it's been an incredible opportunity to work on a project that is geared toward establishing and developing partnerships with academia and industry to solve, you know, some of our biggest healthcare challenges on a systems level, but also as granular as the unique patient level. And so I've been working a lot on developing partnerships around solving problems using hackathons, makeathons, open source design challenges. And uh, one of the most exciting partnerships that, that we've developed recently has been with MIT Hacking Medicine. It's just been a great journey of networking and exploring and getting out there to, to really show people that the VA is here, we're at the table, and we're inviting solutions and wanting to work collaboratively with our partners to, to solve some of our biggest problems. You touched on this a little bit um, when you were talking about your role as an entrepreneur in residence and what you've been able to accomplish with hackathons. But what would you say makes hackathons so important or why are they so important to what the innovation ecosystem is trying to do and accomplish across VHA right now? That's a great question. You know, hackathons and makeathons and design challenges like these offer a really unique opportunity to bring together diverse groups of people, people from different backgrounds to really develop solutions quickly. And so, you know, of course, at the end of a hackathon, you don't have a full-fledged, ready-to-deploy-and-scale solution. What you have is is the beginning. You have a prototype, but you have something that's been built by people from all different backgrounds. You know, we have engineers and scientists and mathematicians and people in healthcare all coming together to think outside the box and brainstorm ways to solve problems that, frankly, we can't do internally within the VA on our own. We are a huge healthcare organization. You know, we serve over 9 million veterans a year, and we're the largest medical training organization in the country, training over 170,000 medical trainees every year. And so we have enormous expertise uh, within our system, but we're, you know, we're a large system and we're bound by some of the same issues that healthcare is bound by broadly. We have, you know, hierarchy, expense and regulation really slowing down a lot of our efforts to develop real-time direct-to-patient solutions. And while we have a lot of examples of how we do that in the VA, it's only beneficial to our patients and our providers when we open the doors and we come to the table with others 
with academic partners and industry partners to brainstorm solutions, you know, that can, can help us develop something that we can offer in real time and that we can begin to study and collaboratively design with our patients and their care teams right after the hackathon ends. I think that's amazing. I love listening to you talk about hackathons because I can tell it's such a passion of yours and you see how meaningful and impactful it can be. I've seen that too. And I've just learned so much from you and and what you've done over the past year and just have a million questions, but I'll try to really focus in. What's been your favorite part of engaging these academic institutions in the hackathon process? I think my favorite part about engaging the academic institutions uh, specifically has been the just unbridled enthusiasm and idealism and talent and skill that these students bring to the table. With the hackathons that we've done with Virginia Commonwealth University, George Mason and George Washington, the participants have all been students and they've been students from universities all over the country. But these students just come together with the kind of ideals that are not dampened by the day-to-day practical kind of constraints that we all get to know as we move through our careers in, in healthcare. While those are important and they add great perspective, which is why we're there as mentors, what we really need to, to do a lot of this outside of the box thinking is we need the idealism. We need those people that are there because they're ready to change the world. And what we can do as mentors is we can offer resources on human-centered design, feedback during their design processes on the practicality and feasibility of some of their their solutions uh, that they're developing. But with that kind of approach, with the idealism mixed with the practical application, it's just amazing what kind of solutions are pitched and what kind of ideas come out of that. And the real exciting work happens after the hackathon. And that's when we get to engage with these young teams these young teams of engineers and people with this entrepreneurial spirit in collaboratively designing and developing these solutions further with our patients and their care teams at the local VA facilities. I love it. I know I've gotten to talk to a lot of the people that have been participating in this hackath- in all these hackathons. And so I've talked to directors and hackers and, and patients even, and there've been so many great stories you're such a great storyteller. Is there a story or an experience that stands out to you in particular that you could tell us about? Oh, man, that's such a hard question to answer because so much of what's cool about these hackathons is the unique nature of every individual event and every individual solution that's pitched. And so I certainly have some solutions that have gotten me really excited about the potential impact you know, that we can have on the lives of veterans. Those involve uh, different projects, like one that came out of the recent MIT hackathon in Boston, a project team called Simulacron. And they're actually working around in the space of synthetic data sets. And as you know, the VA, you know, we have the longest running electronic health record that exists. And we're also linked to the health records of DOD. So oftentimes we have comprehensive medical records for patients that start maybe on the day they turned 18 and joined the service all the way to the end of their lives. And that's a really unique asset that we have in the VA. But of course, our our number one priority is to protect the privacy and the information of our patients, which opens up the question of how do we use that data? How do we offer that data and use that data for study, you know, to be able to, to use it as a sandbox to develop artificial intelligence algorithms so we can develop the ability to provide predictive treatment and predictive analytics on what challenges some of our patients might face. 
this group at MIT is a group of researchers and scientists who are working in the space of developing synthetic data sets. And what we've done since then is engage them and worked with them on some leads we already have within the VA on how to accomplish this. And our team of, of champions in this space has just gotten bigger. And now we get to work with MIT and the VA on a national level on figuring out how to how to crack the code, if I may. <laughs> how do you think that hackathons and, and innovation, even in general, so much broader picture, how do you feel like that's necessary as you think about the future of healthcare? That's a great question. And, and I've been asked that question a lot. In fact, when I started down this road of, of partnerships related to hackathons, I answered a lot of questions from skeptics, you know, about, well, why hackathons? Or what do you, what do you think is going to come out of a hackathon? Or how do we, you know, how do we take these great ideas and this great energy that just happens over the course of a weekend and really make it something impactful? That's a great, Great question. And I'm really glad I was asked that because I was, I've been giving it a lot of thought. And the one kind of idea or phrase that I just keep coming back to is that we can't do it alone. All of these things that we want to do in the VA, all of the ways that we want to provide cutting edge healthcare and, you know, improve the quality of life for all of our veterans. I mean, if you ask anyone who works at the VA, that's what they're driven by. They can work anywhere else. And a lot of other places in healthcare, they might even make more money. They might get more prestige, but they choose to work at the VA because they want to improve the lives of veterans. And that's really the bottom line of why we're all doing this. But in order to really do it, in order to, to really innovate, you know, we can cultivate innovation within. And we've done a great job of that through the Innovators Network. And our ability to do that continues to grow. But we need to be able to consume innovation. We need to be able to collaboratively design with our industry partners and our academic partners. We need access to the brain power and the energy and the drive that exists outside of the VA to solve a lot of our problems and a lot of our challenges. You know, we have unique patients that have challenges related to, you know, an injury that they might have incurred uh, in combat. You know, there's a, a veteran who's got a double amputation and he's got prosthetics that are great, but he wants to go swimming at the beach with his young kids and his prosthetic sockets are either not waterproof or for some reason that that is beyond me. I'm not an engineer, but for some reason they they don't cut it. You know, they don't allow him to yeah. do exactly what he wants to do. We bring that kind of problem to a hackathon. We give that that challenge to 400 engineers and I mean, it's amazing what can come out of that. And we can approach solving some of our bigger systems issues in healthcare that same way. We can pitch a problem or a challenge at a hackathon, something like hospital-acquired infection rates are high, or patients who have sepsis are at risk, you know, as every hour goes on or at greater and greater risk of dying. These are problems that, that we can pitch to these groups and these communities and come up with solutions that we never really could have thought of on our own. It's about an approach that involves diversity and openness and a willingness to partner and a willingness to, to acknowledge that while we can do a lot within the VA, we can't do it alone. I love it. You're, you're totally the voice of change, one of the many voices of change that is happening in the VA right now. And, and it, I think it's super exciting. And I hope we get to continue to highlight these stories and make a big deal because ultimately, I, I think our patients are, are winning. 
because they get to get their health care um, in a place that cares so much about them and, it, and is eager to continue to move forward. So thank you for what you're doing with that and uh, for taking some time to, to talk to us today. Yeah, well, thank you, Anne. And I know that uh, I saw the registration link. I know that you'll be at the DC Hackathon. So I look forward to working with you there. Next, Anne is speaking with Caitlin Pratt, a junior studying biomedical science at the George Washington University and the director and co-founder of George Hacks, a student-led organization that provides students with a platform for problem-based interdisciplinary medical hackathons for social impact. So my name is Caitlin Pratt. I am a rising junior studying um, biomedical engineering at the George Washington University. Um, I'm also the new director of George Hacks at the George Washington location. So yeah, I'm very excited to, to be here today. Great, Caitlin. Thank you so much for joining us and congratulations on being the director of GW Hacks. We're excited to hear more about it today. Just to start with a few questions, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with hackathons and how did you initially get involved in these events? Yeah, absolutely. So I first got involved in medical hackathons when um, I attended the VCU's medical hackathon last November as a part of George Hack's Innovators in Action program. So George Hack's actually funds students to be able to go to other hackathons uh, in the DMB area. The director at the time really encouraged me to go. We ended up picking a problem statement that was given by OpenEMR. Um, and so the pitch was to develop a solution for those dealing with polypharmacy or having to take lots of medication, people who have to take lots of medications. During the 24-hour time period, we ended up developing this, um, a very, very initial working prototype of a smart pill dispenser. And so you can kind of think of the exterior as kind of like a Keurig machine. And the idea is that it reminds users to take their medication. Um, it dispenses those medications at the right dose and at the right time. And then it tracks the dosage adherence. And it also notifies caregivers of a missed dose. I had a great experience with that. Came back from the first medical hackathon really wanting to, to get more involved and seeing how I could contribute to helping organize the George Hack's second annual medical hackathon that was going to be going on at, at George Washington. I can speak from experience that medication adherence is a huge problem for patients in healthcare across the board. Why do you believe that hackathons are an effective way of problem solving and innovating, particularly in healthcare? The hackathons, at least the, the medical hackathon that we organized and the one at VCU as well, they provide resources and mentors. And so it really creates this environment to ideate and create, especially for students who might come into the event thinking that, you know, you have to be an expert to come up with these solutions to issues in healthcare. And I think that, at least from my own experience, I, by participating in this hackathon and by organizing um, a one of my own, it made me realize, wow, okay, students, by providing this environment, it, it really, I think, provides students with a platform and it encourages them to really ideate on their own and gives them the confidence. What would you say is your favorite part of hackathons? Just the people that I've gotten to meet through this experience, the mentors I was able to interact with and hear about their backgrounds and, and hear about the really exciting things that they've um, been able to do in their career so far. It also helped me realize what I, what I might want to do after I graduate from college. There's a lot of different opportunities that getting a major in biomedical engineering provides. 
people joke that biomedical engineering is a, you get a degree and a jack of all trades, but master of none. And so there's a lot of different opportunities and different directions you can take with a degree like that. And so by participating in this hackathon, I think a great experience with that and, and probably the, the thing that I really appreciated was all the people I got to meet and then also just trying to figure out what I might be interested in and, and what I'm actually truly passionate about. How did you guys recruit veterans for DW Hack? We were able to get problem statements from veterans, both from the VHA Innovation Ecosystem, from the DC VA Medical Center um, contact that we had, and then also through um, an organization called Quality of Life Plus. I mean, we were really fortunate to be able to have so many veterans be able to come. So we actually had, it really humanized a lot of the problem statements that were presented to the students. And I think that got them even more excited and really invested in the solutions that they were trying to come up with. Those pitches and problem statements were heavily sought after for sure. And I think that definitely created a great event and a great opportunity. So just to kind of build on that, did you have the opportunity to talk to any of the veterans or any of the participants that you guys were hacking for and just to get their feedback on how they felt being a part of the hackathon? Yes, I did get the opportunity to speak with some of them and a couple, I followed up with all of them after, but then even got some very thoughtful emails. They were very um, gracious to be able to be a part of an event like that and to, um, I don't know, just have an, have an event centered around coming up with a solution for them specifically. Well, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. I really appreciate it and look forward to continuing to work with you as we, as we continue to hack more. Of course. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Kayla Burkholder is pursuing a master's degree in product innovation at Virginia Commonwealth University and co-founded a company called Pocket Innovations, LLC, which aims to prevent pocket hematomas after pacemaker ICD implantation. Well, Kayla, I would just like to welcome you to this call and uh, just the time that we get to be together and talk about hackathons. Could you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kayla Burkholder. I'm currently pursuing my master's in product innovation at Virginia Commonwealth University. While I was studying there, I actually got involved with an electrophysiologist and we started to develop products for patients. And we actually ended up founding a company called Pocket Innovations. So we focus on the post-pacemaker complication of the pocket hematoma. Um, and so we've been using human-centered design and different design thinking approaches to look at this problem differently and, you know, really talk with patients, nurses, and doctors to figure out what's the best solution. I love it. You mentioned human-centered design earlier. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how that's been present in your experiences? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when we started this project initially, um, it was just a class project. And one of our focuses throughout this year has been taking human-centered design and design thinking practices and applying them to the healthcare space. For us, what that meant was to really go in and observe. We've gone in and we've watched several pacemaker surgeries. We've watched the process from patient intake all the way to outpatient, just to really understand where are the pain points in terms of, you know, for the doctors, but where are also the pain points in terms of the nurses who are taking care of people post-surgery, and then also what's problematic for patients. So for us, it's really that holistic approach that we've been able to take and apply 
what people think is kind of mushy and touchy feely sort of design stuff. But it's hugely important when you start looking in the healthcare space, because you're actually you're working with people and you're designing for humans every day. What are some of the the hacks that you're particularly proud of? I mean, you mentioned having having started a business. um, I imagine that would play into it. So a getting a business up off the ground and being able to take amazing feedback in from people is, yes, probably number one. But number two, being able to empower other individuals to really work through the problems that they see in their community and, you know, how to approach them in a different way uh, has been really great. One of the teams we worked directly with was Baby Listo, um, which is working on an app for the Latin community in VC in Virginia to help make sure that it's easy for them to get to doctors. They understand what is necessary for a good and healthy pregnancy. They have a community that they can rely on. Um, and it's a problem that they saw in their community and then actually developed a really awesome app out of it. Um, so it's been great just working with other innovators in our community and getting different viewpoints. That's awesome. Um, have you had much experience or encounters with hackathon mentors? We've been able to have, you know, people come into these events who are able to provide a wisdom and knowledge but be oftentimes resources. It's amazing. You're not even asking for things. And they're like, do you need legal counsel? Do you need help with IP? Can I put you in contact with someone? Um, people are so hugely giving. And the mentors at these events are just, I mean, they're 100% out there to be giving and give back to their communities. And I- I've had nothing but amazing contacts come out of these events. That sounds really incredible. Just the empowering and engagement um, that people bring to the table just seems genuinely to help each other. I love that type environment for sure. What do you think the VHA can do to better engage with hackers? I think that's just giving platforms for development and spaces that are kind of untapped. Being a hacker and, and being someone who wants to solve, you know, different problems, it is always fun to be presented with something that no one else has been able to deal with. And that to me, I think is, is, you know, part of it, it's that pride of, can I solve one of the biggest problems in a 24 hour time period? It's a, it's a challenge, right? So for me, I think it's just that it's the opportunity. It's engaging them. It's giving them events. It's giving them the resources to be able to do the right observations to really understand the problem space. Would you say that your approach to innovation has changed since you've begun to work with the VA? Yeah, absolutely. A, my background wasn't originally in medical. So my approach to innovation when we first started was very different. And that to me has been eye-opening in terms of with the VHA, with the FDA, and really understanding that you really have to make patient outcomes the number one driver. Uh, It's great if you can save people money, but that doesn't matter if you're not improving patient outcomes. What other areas of healthcare innovation are you interested in exploring? As I said, I've I've become very interested in the healthcare space. Um, And for me, a lot of it has to do with how can we take what has been kind of tried and true practices for 25, 50 years. This is just the way we are doing it. And I think for us, we're just excited to start looking and seeing where can we improve everyone's lives, whether it's their work life where it's the patient outcomes, where it's the, you know, the surgeon outcomes, you know, what can we do to help and what hasn't been touched and changed in a long time? And I think that's a place that's ripe for the taking. How do you feel like innovation is essential to the future of healthcare? 
This one is near and dear to my heart because I think it is, it's crucial in terms of when we have an aging population that's going to be, I think it's nearly quadrupling. I will have to double check that number, but it's, it's increasing exponentially. And you have more people with stress related diseases. You have higher rates of obesity. You have higher rates of cardiovascular disease. What's going to happen? when we have this huge influx and we don't have enough time, enough people, enough resources, it just means we have to become leaner, smarter, more agile, and more dedicated about how we approach treatment. You know, is it becoming more of a proactive approach and how can we approach healthcare that way to stop a lot of these problems before they occur? Or, you know, is it starting to use predictive analysis to better understand who you are and what you're going to be more at risk and putting more power in the user hands, I, I think for me, a lot of it is just realizing that we are at that point where it's really a tipping point of we have to do better or we're going to be in a big crisis. I love that. Well, I really appreciate your time. I feel like I've learned a lot about um, different structures, different models, but also even just specifically the business that you guys use human centered design to develop and, and create. So I really appreciate that and appreciate who you are. And just thank you for taking the time with us today. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always great. I love talking about this sort of stuff. It is our lifeblood. Now, Anne will speak with Matt Rowley, an innovation specialist at the VA Pittsburgh Healthcare System, who has served as a mentor at George Hacks and an MIT Grand Hack. Hi, my name is Matt Rowley, and I am an innovation specialist at the VA Pittsburgh Healthcare System. That's great. Matt, thank you so much for joining us today. I just have a few questions for you about hackathons in general, and just want to start with the first one. Why did you decide to participate in George Hack? Sure. So I think that the idea of the hackathon is not something that's just good for VA in terms of its ability to generate solutions and, you know, make valuable partnerships with, you know, some of our local academic partners and folks in the medical industry, I should say the medical community. One of the great benefits of taking part in these hackathons and especially from the perspective that we took for George Hacks, which was this sort of consultative mentoring sort of role, was that events like these are an important part of the effort to demonstrate to the academic and the medical communities that uh, VA is an organization that values and invests in innovation. When we do our part to show uh, not only what VA has done, uh, we know about the first transplant, the first liver transplant occurring at VA, and there are a number of other uh, innovations that came out of VA in the past. But when we show, uh, in this case, these were you know medical students and engineering students, when we show the academic community and folks who are going to be moving this this work into the future that we value innovation that will make us an attractive organization to be a part of in the future so being a part of these hackathons i think really helps us to build up this image of being an innovative organization and being a place where young people young engineers young folks uh, in the medical field will want to come and work uh, in the decades ahead can you tell us a little bit more about your hackathon experiences in general? Are there any hacks in particular that you're proud of? 
when we were at George Hacks, one of the great things about this hackathon was that they were, they were smart to include veterans who would benefit from the solutions that came from this hackathon. So, you know, rather than coming together for the event and saying, here is our challenge. And now all of the different teams in the hackathon are going to work on this one challenge. What the team at George Washington instead did was they solicited VA medical centers for veteran problems and then invited those veterans who had stated those problems, those challenges, invited them to the event to present their problems. Um, and so you were in a situation where just about every group had their own unique veteran driven challenge. And in many cases, they were able, the teams were able to interface with the veteran. The veteran was there in person. They could have conversations. And what we heard from the teams uh, was that that was the most important element of their experience, not only because it allowed them that face time to really get a deep understanding of what that veteran's individual and unique challenge was, but also that, you know, I think it really helped to foster that passion um, and make the challenge real for the team, which really, I think, helps to get the creative juices going. And that passion can help really drive a project and, and make something special. So um, there was one team who had a problem um, where, a, you know, a veteran loves to ride her bicycle. She does long trail rides on the bicycle uh, and wears a prosthesis, has a, I believe it was a above the knee prosthesis. That requires different a different prosthesis for riding the bicycle as it does for walking. And when you're doing these long distance rides, uh, you need to have both of these prostheses so that you can ride the bicycle and then you can dismount the bicycle and then walk to to wherever. The challenge was to build a holder, basically a device that would hold the walking prosthesis on the recumbent bicycle uh, in a way that was durable. Uh, in a way that protected the prosthesis from the elements and all of those sorts of things. The reason this stands out to me is not only do I think it's a fantastic challenge and the result was amazing, uh, but I enjoy bicycling myself. And so this was something that was great to, to be a part of talking the team through how to build this. And, uh, one of the other team members was an avid cyclist as well. So we got a chance to sort of bond over that. And what resulted was just a wonderful, relatively low cost item. Uh, the team did a fantastic job of not only creating the item, but also doing research with regard to the market viability of the item in terms of, uh, you know, estimating product cost. They even were able to pull together different vendors that, that make the materials to build, uh, this item. And so there was, I, I thought it was a very thorough result and consider that all of this was done in just 24 hours. Really, really amazing. And I think energizing to see something like that come together. The veteran, in this case, was able to see the end result and was elated at the design and felt that that would very much meet their needs. So that's super powerful and definitely speaks to the importance of connection and um, lends to my next question, which is how was um, human centered design? How has it been present in your hackathon experience? Our purpose was to mentor the teams on human centered design. It was very exciting for me because human-centered design is very engaging, and it's, I think, a privilege for us as staff at VA to be able to share this with the world because it's human-centered design is very much an emerging discipline. 
human-centered design is starting with a blank slate, looking at the problems first, and then building off of that rather than taking something that currently exists to process and figuring out ways to make that more efficient. When we put the veteran, when we put the person at the center of the design process, you end up with a solution um, that really, I think, best meets the needs of the people who are served by that product or service. Uh, and so it's really, it's been our privilege to not only, again, help those good ideas to grow, but also to provide training and mentoring about human-centered design to folks at our facilities. How do you encourage hackathon style thinking at, at the Pittsburgh VA? When we talk about this idea of hackathon style thinking, what we're really talking about is problem-driven thinking and solution-minded thinking. So problem-driven thinking means that we're not building just for the sake of building. We're building because there is a defined problem. Solution-minded thinking, I should say, contrasts that to building something with the constraints in mind. For example, we have these resources um, or, or policy forbids this type of thing. So when we talk about solution-minded thinking, it's sort of putting aside some of that, some of those constraints and thinking about the universe of possible solutions. It's for that reason that I feel that human-centered design is a great way to keep our medical center staff in that mindset, that sort of hackathon-style mindset, uh, because, you know, it provides a framework uh, and it provides practical tools to define the problem, to come to uh, a deeper understanding of that problem, and to remain focused on the problem while ideating solutions in a multidisciplinary team, you know, rather than crafting those solutions uh, that are hindered by you know, one or a few individuals' perceptions of what their the limitations of the organization might be. So when we roll that out at the facility level, what we're doing is taking human-centered design and offering that as a regular training set to our staff. So we do things like lunch and learns on human-centered design type topics. So it's maybe we'll do a 30-minute class on problem framing that people can attend while they're eating their lunch. Uh, or we'll do a class on pitching an idea because communicating, uh, you know, empathy and your value statement is, is a critical piece of human-centered design and making any project come to life. Uh, so we'll offer these short classes. Uh, and then, you know, we'll also offer much longer classes, which is a one and a half to two day human centered design workshop, which will take you through the entire process from problem framing through business plan development. And we do this in an effort to engender this culture of human centered design and, and veteran first and not only culture engendering, but also providing people with a practical framework and tools to do this kind of work. So we're talking about, you know, stickies and charts and those sorts of very fun, engaging things that are very accessible to an interdisciplinary team. Doesn't matter if you're a nurse, physician, MSA, uh, maybe you work in EMS. Anyone can do this sort of stuff. So in addition to culture, it's giving them tools that they can use on the job every day. And then remaining as an innovation specialist, remaining available to those folks who want to take on these challenges, who want human-centered design to be a part of uh, the way that they develop and execute initiatives. And so again, it, it's tremendously rewarding work to be there for our fellow VA team members in that way. 
Um, and we've seen over the course of Pittsburgh's been in the, in the VHA Innovators Network for a couple of years now, we see more and more every year, more and more engagement with this type of work, more applications that are submitted to do you know, innovative projects. And it's been very fulfilling. How do you think innovation is essential to the future of healthcare? The dynamics are changing. People are living longer. Health challenges are evolving. Um, certainly within the VA, but I think all over the place, we are being asked to do more with less. It's going to take, I think, new thinking, new styles of thinking in order to solve the problems of the future. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. Matt, I just appreciate your time so much. Thanks for taking time out just to allow us to talk through some of these things and learn from your wisdom and insight and your experience with Hackathon. It's been my privilege. Thanks a lot, Ann. Next, Ann is speaking with Bryn Cole, Director of Programming for the VHA Innovators Network. My name is Bryn Cole. I'm the Director of Programming for the VHA Innovators Network. Thank you for taking (laughs) some time to talk to us today. I want to start with just a specific hackathon that you participated in recently. Can you tell us a little bit about George Hacks and why you decided to participate in it? Oh, it was amazing. So we were provided this opportunity via our entrepreneur in residence, Susie Shirley, who is also one of our innovation specialists at the Richmond VA. And, you know, she's been really been working on leveraging the incredible energy and intellect and curiosity of, of students and youth and academia to really sort of help us solve our problems in a way that, you know, we may not approach within VA. So without knowing a whole bunch or getting into like the big deal, like the background of how this came about, the opportunity was provided and it just so happened to coincide with our FY19 Accelerator boot camp. It was a weekend before we were already going to find a bunch of our innovation specialists into DC. And we said, hey, what if we uh, were to bring in some extra folks that can really sort of help coach mentor these students and also give them insight into what a hackathon might look like? Because a lot of our specialists hadn't had that experience. So that is what we did. And it was unreal. It was incredible. So something else I know that is near and dear to your heart as it is to mine, how would you say that human-centered design has been present or is present in hackathon experiences? Within the Innovators Network, this is, you know, it is a core component of not just our training, but our culture. And I think that I had neglected to realize that other folks who might be solving problems may not even be aware of the tenets of human-centered design. Um, at George Hacks, the, um, the VA and Susie Shirley specifically did um, a quick like fundamentals of human-centered design workshop for students. I think it was between uh, all the problems had been pitched, uh, teams formed, but it was before they really got into developing their solutions which was a crucial time to share this whole idea of designing solutions based on actual human needs and wants. 
How do you encourage okay. hackathon style thinking throughout the Innovators Network? We want to ignite the creative potential of our workforce, regardless if they're at an INET site or not. This is more for a year from now, but this year we're doing little baby steps of that with our problem phase. So our INET sites in June um, are rolling out um, programming around looking at problems and opportunities and really encouraging staff to imagine new futures. Part of the way that the Innovators Network has always worked has been this grassroots innovation effort where employees self-identify a problem and propose a potential solution, and they're empowered and emboldened to take action. However, we have a significant amount of resources that can also be put to work more strategically. So in our problem phase uh, playbook that just went out to our innovation specialists uh, this week, there's the opportunity for them to get with executive leadership at their sites and really float out an almost like gamified version of, of the problem phase that really is based on how hackathons work. So mm-hmm. essentially what, what sites may choose to do is as a complementary approach to the grassroots innovation that happens at the Innovators Network, executive leadership as coached by their innovation specialists can float out a bunch of different challenge statements. What are their top priorities? Are there access issues? Is there a specific area of of veterans' experience that really has been a pain point for a long time? They can come up with, um, I don't know, whatever, whatever their local strategic priorities are, their pain points, their opportunities, turn them into a reframed challenge statement, you know, using our how might we statement starters. And then float them out to staff at their site. They can form teams. They can start delving into, you know, the, the problem is already framed for them. So then they can go right into the discovery phase, go out, do their observations, um, talk with the people who experience a problem, maybe get a little more insight information from their leadership team, and then come up with potential solutions. You know, again, using that constant feedback loop and that, that iteration that we see happening throughout the HCD process, but also certainly at hackathons. Obviously, it won't be in a 24 to 48 hour period as generally occurs with the hackathons, but over the course of a month or two and potentially even, you know, winning teams could get, you know, whatever is fun at each site. They can determine uh, what their winners get. So really that, that portion was based on what we see at these hackathons and how can we instill that energy and curiosity back at our sites. Why do you think that innovation is essential to the future of healthcare? That is such an important question. Because if we aren't thinking, I mean, there's, God, I don't want to come up with anything trite, but really, if we are not paying attention to, you know, tomorrow's tomorrow today, we're going to fall behind. You know, the VA has always been at the forefront of innovation. You know, we've pioneered so many different things. And it's just incredible to see where we might and where we can go, you know, what we pose teaching, you know, from VG is the three box solution framework, you know, making sure that we have a dedicated space and environment to explore the future and to not just explore, to create it for ourselves is, Mm -hmm. is absolutely, is absolutely crucial. You see industry, you see the private sector, 
how quickly they grow and pivot, which makes a whole lot of sense. You know, we've got a lot of the government has a lot of bureaucracy in some ways for good reason. You know, it's important Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're not making unilateral changes without testing them. But that's not the business that we're talking about. We're talking about getting in the business of testing the things. You know, we are the ones that want to be able to to imagine and to create and to validate, you know, the whole innovators network, start small, fail, small, scale, big is, <laughs> is on point for right. a reason. I appreciate you taking <laughs> the time today. I know it's been a little bit of a process to get us together, but thank you so much for answering my questions, for um, trying to ask me questions, even though I totally deflected you. And yeah, just your leadership. Super. uh, I really appreciate this, the tight mindset that you bring to the table. So thank you. Uh, Well, I appreciate you too. Finally, Anne chats with Kathy Davis, an army veteran and Lucille Lyle, recreation therapist with the recreation service and polytrauma program at the Washington DC VA medical center. Kathy Davis. And I'm Lucille Lyle, polytrauma recreation therapist. Great. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on the call today. Excited to uh, learn a little bit more about each of you and your experience with hackathons. But I was just interested to know, how did you guys become involved with the hackathon? Suzanne Shirley with the VA Innovators Network had approached Dr. Joel Scolton here at the Washington, D.C. VA in our polytrauma rehab and asked if some veterans or therapists would be interested in participating. From there, it came to me and several other veterans, including Kathy Davis, U.S. Army veteran. Awesome. Kathy, do you want to tell us a little bit about your hackathon experience? What was it like for you to uh, experience this for the first time? I just talked to a bunch of kids. Was it an exciting time? Did you know? Were you surprised by having so many people focus on on helping you out with the problem? I think it was nice to have kids interested. Absolutely, I think that's super exciting. I'm I'm glad that you got to experience that. For either of you, what would you say was your favorite part of the hackathon experience? I also think it was just a great experience with the college students and providing the two veterans an opportunity to think about different problems that might be barriers to their overall functioning and then being able to present them that day in front of a pretty good-sized group of college students who were really interested and engaged. It was wonderful seeing the veterans present to them and then later answer any questions the student teams had. What would you say as we work more and more bring together veterans in in the college atmosphere, what would you say is one of the most important things for those students to keep in mind when they're tailoring projects to veterans' needs? I think basically kids need to realize that there are handicapped veterans and that the way the medical field now, they don't tailor things to handicap. I agree with Kathy. I, I think it was truly an eye-opening experience for the students. And probably the more encounters they have with 
veterans, you know, the more likely I think things will get easier, hopefully, for veterans out in the community and dealing with the barriers that they're dealing with. It sounds like that was a pretty big insight, that students aren't as aware that some veterans are handicapped, and that may be a particular area to focus on with hackathons in the future. Are there any other areas with healthcare innovation or maybe even more specific, you know, walking down that road of how can we build those bridges and bring understanding, but what other areas of healthcare innovation would you like to see the students focus on? Focus on updating all the equipment. Some Mm. hospitals have certain devices where other hospitals don't. So I think that students need to try to equal each hospital. It was interesting because both of the female veterans who participated, including Kathy, came up with some very applicable, functional issues that are affecting their daily lives. And I think the students really just, it was a huge eye-opener. They had no idea. Do you agree, Kathy? Yeah. It was a real eye-opener, you know. I mean, from everything from the wheelchair to... People not being able to get up on tables. Right, right, on exam tables and... They even came here afterwards. One of the teams came here to look at and measure wheelchairs again. (laughs) So, yeah, so it even continued after the hackathon. Could you tell us a little bit more um, about what hack they worked with for you, Kathy? Basically, because I'm in a wheelchair, like Lucille says, they um, realized the um, obstacles that I face, and I would rather just not go to the hospital than to mm-hmm. deal with the obstacles. One of them also is because I have um, a hard time reading um, certain things. One of the pitches we presented was uh, like a timer that lines the space where you're supposed to read and goes down uh, after a certain few seconds to give you time to read what is on that line. They did not realize that, you know, those were difficult things for people. I mean, they're simple, but they're difficult for us. That's huge, Kathy. I really appreciate you sharing, being willing to to share some of the challenges that you have. And then what an incredible experience to see the students. I mean, just for their eyes to be open to what it's like for you when you go into the hospital and have any sort of experience like that. That's that's pretty insightful. Well, I appreciate you being willing to put yourself out there like that. That's huge. And this is sort of the you know, 10,000-foot picture question uh, for both of you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But how would you say that innovation is essential to the future of healthcare? Interestingly, some of it was, I think, cost-effectiveness. One of the two veterans, she felt that maybe there had been an examination table that raised and lowered for veterans already out there, but 
perhaps there wasn't one that was in wide distribution and was also cost effective. Even though there may be innovations out there, they may not necessarily be in wide circulation and they may not necessarily be cost effective. So that was one of the pitches presented before the student teams at the hackathon. So, th so that's part of it, cost effectiveness and just getting the word out, the knowledge base that there are different creative and innovative ways of solving real life functional problems to help veterans with their overall functioning. I have to agree with that. Very much so, because there are ways to make it easier to function and to go to these appointments, but because they're not in um, fast, most of the hospitals don't have the equipment, we have to be you know, questionable as to where we go. It reminds me of one of your pitches, Kathy, about there really isn't the innovation yet to pick up on clear feedback from the presenter in terms of their speech clarity. And that has not been invented yet. And that's something I think that Kathy would really appreciate if, if some student yeah. team at a hackathon could invent that or at least help to um, work towards a solution for that because there's a lot of technology out there, but not everything is available yet for being able to pick up on, say, if you're using Alexa, to be able to pick up on a particular voice. It sounds like, Kathy, you already have an idea for your next pitch, for your next hackathon, right? Well, kind of, yeah. Yeah, That's there's exciting. a lot to do out there. Absolutely, and we need to hear from people like you who have so many great ideas and can give us such insight into what your experience is like actually at the hospital because those are the problems we want to, we want to help solve for sure. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for taking your time today. I know that it was a big deal. It's a lot to set aside time like this, and I really appreciate it. Um, and we look forward, Kathy, to working with you in the future and, and solving some more problems with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.